Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 309. Today, we're going to be talking with the CEO of Hashflow and today's version of what DEXs look like and what they are doing with theirs at Hashflow. Um, Varun, is that how I say your first name? Oh, yes. It's like the band Maroon 5, but with the V. So. Maroon, Varun. Okay, cool. Varun, Varun 5, how are you doing? I would love to go with that name now. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, uh, I think I've, I've been chipping away, you know, lots, lots to build, lots to come. So uh, always exciting. Oh, absolutely. And it's been a much more exciting start to this year compared to last. So I think all, all that building is starting to pay off a little bit. No, for sure. I think last year, to be fair, I still wouldn't celebrate just yet. Obviously, it's a better start to this year compared to last year. But I would still say, like this is still, you know, the, you know, bear market, build market, whatever you call it. But I think this is a time where, where you can make, you know, meaningful contribution to the space. So whatever you build is going to have a big impact. Whether you, and this is a time to focus, no distractions. And I think uh, it's, it's just a great time to build. So. Yeah, I don't think we're out of the proverbial woods just yet, but we're getting closer and it's a new year and it's been a um, a fabulous start thus far. So fingers crossed that 2023 is a bit better. Um, before we uh, jump in and start talking about Hashflow, I'm sure people are going to be very curious about you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your backgrounds? Uh, what, what did you do prior to Hashflow? Uh, well, I was an aerospace engineer. Right? So, so I was working for a small uh, startup that, that builds uh, satellite systems. So, so we were building, uh, I was uh, specifically working on the control systems for, for CubeSats uh, that do earth imaging. So, so I was uh, in the space industry before, before, before getting into uh, crypto. So obviously also my background is in physics and aerospace engineering. And uh, uh, that's, that's so high started. Like I grew up wanting to be an astronaut. Uh, I still like want to go to space at some point, but I think crypto is also exciting. So I got into the space in 2016, 17 timeframe. And then since then, you know, I've been just uh, doing crypto as a site hustle, you can call it, but then uh, 2020, uh, late or early 2021 is when, you know, Hashlow happened. And now, you know, uh, ironically, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I work in the quote unquote fintech and we used to make fun of finance people in college, but that uh, now, now, you know, it's fun. <laughs> I, I, you know, if I give anyone trouble, I take it back now. <laughs> so, so, how, how'd you go from working with satellites and doing all this stuff to, to blockchain what was how did it come across your radar uh i think uh 2015 16 time was that any you know i was uh, everyone was talking about bitcoin at that time and then and, and then i think a friend of mine in a hot tub introduced me to he told me about ethereum uh back then and he was just just look into it uh he was, he was like, not even looking into it he was just just like going Get some ether, and this is gonna be like, you know, this is gonna change your life. Uh, and I'm like, oh my god, don't, he's like, don't ask too many questions. He's like, just go about it. I'm like, all right, okay, fine. And then, and then, and then, but I, well, I bought some Bitcoin and Ethereum at that time, but I also started going down the rabbit hole. And and I think uh, it it struck a nerve in the sense that you know, from an ideological standpoint, what what crypto stood for is something that resonated with me. Right, so, so for someone who cared about self sovereignty and, and freedom and uh, things uh, that 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 basically allow you to uh, maximize your uh, self as an individual and, and and not be controlled by big governments around the world and be manipulated. I think uh, 
crypto seem to be, you know, uh, the, the, the step away from slavery. <laughs> so so, so, so right. uh, I, I often joke about this, right? Like fiat is like an Uber for slavery. So, so no, 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 unless it's a crypto, if you think about what the internet was to the flow of information, then crypto was doing that to the idea of money and, uh, uh, you know, units of account. Uh, right. So, 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 and I think uh, that to me was like a powerful narrative. And I'm like, well, uh, for the first time, if you think of money as a technology, then before, before Bitcoin, uh, you had like governments who had monopoly on this technology through their monopoly on violence, right? That, that got to enforce this, this, this usage upon you. Now you basically have money as a choice where you can, it's, it's an incentive design that you can opt into as opposed to being born into a system and having to comply with the, with the, with the demands of your of overloads, right? So, so I think that's sort of what resonated with me a lot and going to crypto and, then, and, then, and you know, never look back ever again. So, ah, I know. Yeah, here. I think it's, you know, very similar to you that it is to me, the ideological narrative of crypto is very attractive. And I think what lends so much value to this industry, mm -hmm. whereas, um, you know, you talked about like, like, fiat being like the uber to to slavery um it, it makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways but crypto gives you some of that self-sovereignty and freedom that financially i don't think people have ever really truly had there's a lot of value in that and what it stands for and to be independent to be decentralized to be separate from the system to have control over your life and what you do and um, again, I think that's, you know, very attractive to many, many people out there and is what's led so much credence to this industry. No, absolutely. So I think, I think like a bit of I talk about under crypto, what's interesting mm -hmm. is it's not just like, uh, tech, uh, or it's not just politics. It's not like one aspect. It's a spectrum of various disciplines coming together. And I think, uh, and I think, uh, there's a room for everyone to, to contribute. Why do you have economics? You have politics, you have ideology, uh, then, then you have like incentive design mechanisms, your game theory. So it kind of combines all these aspects, and and then you know you you, you design something, uh, uh, it's orthogonal to to the existing frameworks. So. Yeah, completely. How did you end up? Uh, did, so did you create and found Hashflow, or did you do it with uh, other co-founders, or how how did you guys start this? Uh so. Uh, I was initially just looking into uh, uh, like various exchanges at that time of like the Dexis, uh, Dex space, right? So, so and, and, and over time, uh, the idea of being a back, there could be the, there could be more improvements. So just take a step back, right? So, so Uniswap came about uh, and that really what led to the DeFi summer, right? So where people got excited about the idea of uh, uh, the simplicity of Uniswap and how anybody can be a market maker. Uh, so, so to take a step back further, to zoom out a little bit more, the way trading traditionally works is you've got market makers uh, who are responsible for building the liquidity box on your centralized limit order book that you would see on Binance or Coinbase, etc. And then you have takers who go and trade against that liquidity being provided. Right. So, but generally the liquidity is pretty uh, proprietary right? in the sense that someone has to go and always make sure that they are on the other side providing the counterparty uh, risk, right? So, so, you know, and, and being the counterparty to all the trades. Now, uh, and because doing so in an algorithmic way takes lots of computational uh, power and capital and also just lots of money. It, it, it wasn't something anybody could do. 
right? So what Uniswap did is it simplified the process because the whole idea was how do we build a DEX, right? So, so to compete against the centralized incumbents and what Uniswap did was uh, it built a smart contract that had a formula and anyone can just throw in capital and the contract will basically use that capital and manage that to, to set the price. So, so as a result, anyone can go and request a quote and Uniswap will always give you a quote, right? So, so that was that was the key innovation, uh, the zero to one innovation you'd call it, that, that you know, uh, not only, uh, it basically changed the whole psyche of how DeFi was perceived, right? DeFi became a thing. Now, uh, and then obviously there's different various markets emerged like Compound, the lending markets, are they, uh, you know, and, and there was like lots of innovation going on and which is kind of where uh, I was looking into DeFi as well, right? And I think, I think the, one of the key things uh, that I was looking into is this is good, but how do we build a more cap efficient market structure where the, uh, while this design is good, right? It, it by no means it's perfect. Like that, that, that this design I'm referring to, the, the AMM, you know, soft like design. It's good in the sense that you'll always receive a quote no matter what, right? Because, because of the way it's been designed. Uh, but the bad about that is the price discovery is still happening on CFI, and someone has to use that as a reference to trade against the Uniswap pools to arbitrage against the uh, liquidity in the pools, which means if you're a liquidity provider, you're almost always losing money because, because you're doing a bad trade. Essentially, your smart contract is doing a bad trade on your behalf, uh, and, 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 and the arbitrager is basically taking advantage of that again and again, back and forth. Right. So, so, and not to mention, also requires lots of lots of capital uh, being locked in into a single smart contract, and, and and you cannot deploy it elsewhere, right? And to go further beyond that, if you want to price any asset class that is not necessarily a spot, uh, not in spot, like a blue chip or a stable coin, it's really really difficult to do that unless you have a large inventory of assets. And if you're doing like anything like a derivative asset, like an option or a future or so on, anything that converges to a certain price over time, it's again really difficult to do that using on-chain pricing mechanisms, uh, primarily because of the latency requirement, you know, you know, latency issues that come with on-chain pricing and 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 and, and especially if it's on an L1. Right? So, so this is where uh, using off-chain pricing models are far more elegant uh, and, and far more uh, what to say. You can you, you can do a lot more with with, with uh, moving the pricing logic off chain, and and not to mention you also get around issues like front running or MUV exploits that we typically see with on chain pricing mechanisms, right? So 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 like well, why don't we take a step back and and build something where we decouple pricing logic from moving that on chain to off chain, but we keep the execution of the trades on chain, so users still receive the same Uniswap like permissionless experience where they can go request a vote quote and do a swap and not custody their funds with anybody and to add to that they also can do more interesting things like they can a trade with more guarantees around the price that they see that's exactly what they're going to receive there's no surprises and they can do more thing fun things like cross chain swaps they can they can basically trade any kind of asset class in in, in a way uh where their trades are always protected Right. So, so that's that's the general idea behind behind how we've designed it. And not to mention that because you are uh, moving away from on-chain pricing to off-chain pricing, you can actually get much more tighter spreads too in most cases. Right? So, so I think uh, it just improves the user experience significantly. And it's also a better use of the capital that is being used to provide liquidity. Right? So, so 
uh, which makes the overall system more cap efficient too. And, and not just for the exchange, but generally just builds a much more uh, cap efficient market structure going forward. Right? So, so I think uh, that's the general basis for, uh, you know, or the thinking behind, you know, why we created Hashflow at that time. But to answer your earlier question, who was involved at the beginning? So I think it's like a team effort, right? So, so I think uh, uh, we've had like Victor, then uh, two other co-founders who helped me a lot to, 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 to get things going. So it wasn't just like me somehow. Uh, uh, magically changed everything. So, so, so. right. <laughs> That's awesome. Where so? How do people use Hashflow? Is it a website? You got to connect your wallet. Do you have integrations with existing wallets? People just download. How does this work? How does a customer use it? Oh, uh, so there's a website. They can just go connect your wallet, do a swap, right? You know, and uh, we own six different EVM chains currently. So, so you can swap on any of those chains. Or you can also swap cross-chain within any of these chains natively and without using a bridge. So you can just send ETH, receive BNB. Well, that feature will be live in this, this, this in the upcoming week or weeks. So that's the alpha here. So right now you can do stable swaps, but we'll be launching native cross-chain swaps this, this coming weeks. We already tested the prototype and on the test nest, it's working really well. So so can't wait for that to go live in production. That would that, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be super cool. Right. Nice. So you can actually literally send, uh, like, I don't know, BNB, receive Matic, and you don't have to go to any bridge or anything else. You can just do that in a single transaction. So, so I think uh, that would be really, really cool. And uh, that is something I'm like, you know, been, I've been looking forward to that. So, so, so can't wait for that to go live. And, uh, uh, and, it, and all these, like a single step, right? You don't have to go find a bridge, do any of that nonsense, right? So, so it's all like, it's going to happen in the you know one single go so so that'd be fun and uh and the other ways we get taper volume is through integrations uh with different various text aggregators like one one inch uh autos uh open ocean and all these guys they've been sending us a bunch of volume. so we've been taking a good chunk of the trading volume i think on average we take anywhere between eight to fifteen percent of one inch volume daily at the moment like if you go on one inch router you will see like hash flow pop up on those trades right because again uh of the quotes uh, being just generally superior uh, to other protocols there. So, so I think that's that that's already uh, something that's in life and, and you can check it out. And uh, speaking of aggregators, there will be a another exciting aggregator that will be joining the roster. We'll be announcing that in the next week or so. So, so. so keep an eye out for that. I wouldn't name them just yet, but you may already know if you know, so, 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 uh, aggregator being the hint. So, so, uh, nice. So, so I think, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so that, that's, that, that's the long answer to your short question. So. <laughs>
What makes Hashflow stand out from other DEXs? Uh, I think, gen, uh, like, like I talked about it, right? So the, if I say, have to say like, what, what does it mean for the end user? I would say what you see is what you get, like no surprises. So, mm -hmm. so if I tell you, you can buy like a hundred ETH for $10,000, then that's exactly what's going to happen on the swap. No one is going to front run you. There will be no, uh, you know, sandwich attacks and so on, where you see a different quote when you receive it. So, so, and not to mention that you can basically trade any kind of asset class that doesn't have to be spot and it could be priced just as easily as any other asset class. Then you can do things like cross-chain, which you cannot do on any other application, right? You can go between any EVM chains and uh, we'll be adding a non-EVM chain. The first non-EVM chain will be coming to Hashflow uh, in the next quarter and you'll be able to do swaps between EVM and non-EVM chain uh, as well in a just as seamless manner as you can with, with, with like an EVM to EVM chain, right? So, so these are all the things that make it really, really unique uh, for users to trade here. And the experience, right? This is really seamless. So, so like, uh, uh, we, 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 we've spent a lot of time in terms of design and implementation of these things. So, uh, so that's generally what, you know, and not to mention the pricing is like pretty good. So, so these are things that make it a really, really good experience to trade and go on the platform and do it. And then we also have Tabor APIs that people can use to just uh, send us quotes if they like to do that. So, so yeah, I think uh, uh, I will stop there. I think I, th I think I said a lot, but these are these are generally the big highlights that I would talk, uh, you know, that emphasize on. Yeah. Uh, what about um, slippages in terms of either like the fees or the prices? I know on other DEXs that's usually. Um, a quite frequent issue where someone says, I want to buy X amount of ETH for X amount of dollars. And then as they go to make the trade, you know, something changes, price slips or fees slip. Is that something that you guys are help, able to help kind of minimize? So slippage is, okay, so slippage is not a bad thing, right? Generally, that's what makes, you know, uh, markets like more healthy and the price discovery more healthy. And the idea is the way slippage work, you know, slippage is basically the, the difference in you know what you see uh, when you agree on to trade something, and by the time you know you trade, the, you know the the final amount you end up receiving, right? So, so that delta is the slippage here. Uh, traditionally, in order books, you'll see slippage because you have different price levels, and if you're doing a market buy, for example, then your market order gets executed at like the first level. Once uh, if your amount you're buying is too large for that level to clear, then you'll buy from the second level. So what you're saying is basically. I have ten thousand dollars. Buy me all the Bitcoin available in your in your price levels, right? And then you just trade. And not every price level may have the same price. So so the price is not guaranteed, right? So so as a result, if you're doing large trades, it's for small trades, and if an exchange is pretty liquid, it's not an issue. But for larger trades, uh, especially if there's less liquidity, uh, then then your price may you know it, it you know it, there may be a significant impact on not just a amount you receive, but also just on the market because it's a massive buy or sell that, that took place, right? So which is as a result, people tend to trade OTC to minimize this impact, right? And, and that's what slippage is, right? So, so on Uniswap, you see this again, because of the nature of the bonding curve. Although when I say Uniswap, I'm referring specific to AMMs uh, or any kind of on-chain pricing mechanism as opposed to just Uniswap, right? So, so you see slippage because, because uh, anytime you trade, the price moves in a certain direction 
And the more you buy on one side, the more the price will go up uh, and, and it will approach infinity on the curve, right? So, so with Uniswap V3, you can set the price range. So instead of the price going from infinity to infinity, the price is going to move between the range you set. But the idea is the price is going to move uh, uh, asymptotically to, to the range you set, right? So, so or infinity, right? So how we see it. And, and, and this is basically, this can be avoided if you agree on the quote before before you even trade, right? The way Hashtag gets around not having slippage in this sense is that uh, you bake in any price impact you might have into one single quote. And once you agree on that, then there is no more surprise. Like that's the quote. It's kind of like an OTC trade where you go and lock in your OTC trade. And then once you lock that trade in, then that's it. You know, you executed that unless uh, there's a big black swan event and then the, the counterparty tells you, okay, we need to readjust the price. But usually uh, you see the price and you get the quote and then, and, and then once you lock it in, that's what you execute on uh, and it will never change. Right? So, so that's, that's kind of how it works. Cool. No, no, it's good to, to know a bit more about it. I think it's, you know, intriguing for people to understand kind of how some of that stuff works, especially with like slippages and whatnot. Um, and why maybe they don't get those exact prices they try to lock in. Um, I also noticed you guys had something called Hashverse as well. Is that like a, a metaverse take or is that like a, a DeFi thing? Well, tell me more about it. Oh, for sure. So uh, I think it's, it, it's, so Hashverse is a name of the DAO, right? So, so that, that we, okay. uh, uh, we launched uh, the token in November and then, and, and, and then we started with the vote, regular voting. And then we expanded to we mechanics and now we are expanding that to basically add the hashverse layer on top of the governance right so generally the idea is to build a dao or governing platform that not only you know is focused purely on voting on things but also uh creates this opportunity for everyone to participate and and be able to uh, no matter what kind of skills they bring who they are where they're from they can actually basically be somebody in this universe Right, so that's a, that's a general idea, and and with contribution and with hard work and dedication, they can rise up the ranks and and, and actually become like you know uh, key stakeholders in, in in everything that's going on within the DAO. Right, so, so that's the general idea of you know or or the or the, or the motivation behind creating that. And to give you an example, right, so in this case, uh, the way and and we want to design the hashers is uh, you have your player they they stake their HFTs. And once they do, they are going to have their own hashverse avatar, which over time they can evolve while by completing various tasks that directly benefit the protocol and the DAO and the community as a whole, right? So, so and these quests could range all the way from trading competitions to uh, secondary quests that involve trying out new product features, testing them out, to, to, to maybe contributing to the source code, to all the way to creating memes, writing blog posts, and helping with brand marketing, creating artwork. So, so basically, you can contribute in any capacity, and as long as that has a meaningful impact on a protocol, you will be rewarded with like you know, uh, put XP or call it like a new HFT that is going to be given out each month. So the idea is to incentivize this kind of behavior, whether you are operating on three fours a, you're driving different trading competitions to uh, drive more trading activity, then you're also uh, giving new users uh, this, 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 this uh, 
taste of hash flow by trying the product out for the first time and use that for user retention. And then you're also using the whole social component of it for hype and brand marketing to develop a more more uh, vibrant community that will be more actively involved in, in, in the day-to-day -day things that we do at Hashflow or Hashrace, right? And, and, and you combine this uh, with this nice RPG uh, uh, game style mechanics, which make it a lot more fun. Because right now, I think the key thing at the end of the day is doing anything should be fun, right? And if it's not fun, then it's just, you know, over time, it's just, you won't be having, you, you would lose, lose interest. And I think uh, having DAO, the way they're set up, I don't think they're that exciting. And I think gaming uh, or adding gamified elements to it, like being able to collect these loot items and discovering secret uh, uh, scrolls and then using them to uh, uh, participate and, and, and interact in a social manner with, with the other participants in the DAO, I think, I think that could be a, it's an experimental design. I don't have an opinion that it's going to be like, you know, the, you know it's, it's going to work, it's not going to work, but I think it's going to work based on the fact that, you know, we've put our work into this and, and, and not to mention, I think generally I believe that gaming is, is uh, going to be the next wave of crypto. And I think there's also been lots of interest and not to mention that, you know, that is a way to unite and bring many people and communities together. So I think, I think adding these kind of gaming aspects, aspects into DAO is actually going to be uh, a fun experiment to see how it turns out. Yeah, that's awesome. That seems like a really cool, you know, experiment that could, you know, really help build around like a community mm -hmm. um and really you know create some long-term interest which is really good speaking of do you guys have a community on discord or on telegram uh mm -hmm. for hash for hash flow or hashverse oh uh, well hash flow is the only discord we have currently and same mm -hmm. with twitter uh but we pretty much discuss most th most things about everything on both channels so so if users want to go to discord channel we are always like pretty active uh we post pretty frequent updates on Twitter as well. So, so our, our intern has been, you know, on fire <laughs> every day. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, so we, yeah, I think, I, th I think you can go come check it out. Talk to us. Absolutely. Um, I would, I'd love to, I've always loved discord. It, it's just gotten very saturated lately. It's a very lively place with a lot of characters. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'll, I'll de definitely jump in and, and say hi. What's um, coming up on your guys' roadmap? Like, what do you guys have planned out, you know, going into the, the rest of this year? What are some important things you're working on that you want people to keep an eye on or, or be aware of? Uh, in terms of roadmap, there's a lot of interesting things coming up. Like I said, like Hashverse is going to ship in this quarter, mm -hmm. uh, or by end of this one, hopefully. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm, being, I'm pretty optimistic about, about, about its release. There's a new collaboration with magic eden coming up uh the nature of the collaboration is to be announced so 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 so, so i think that's all the alpha i've got there uh i also mentioned something about a non-ebm chain being launched sometime in the q2 of this year that would be really really big i think i think uh, uh i haven't mentioned the name of the chain but i think you guys already know if, you know if you know you you, you kind of can guess it's like uh, you know that'd be fun and then, and then I think we also talked about the limit order book feature that's going to be shipping sometime in the in the second half of the year, right? And, and I think uh, that would be something to look forward to because the idea is how do you build the best possible exchange uh, that gives you this Binance derivative-like experience, but without the counterparty risk that comes with using a centralized venue. 
And I think uh, we've been like, you know, researching that problem a lot. And I think we have like some pretty good, you know, pathways to solve that. And I think once once that product is live, it's gonna it's gonna be fire, right? So, so can't wait for that. So uh, we also put out a public roadmap uh, that is on Twitter. If you go onto our Twitter, you can actually see it. Uh, it's pinned message. So uh, you can actually just use that to see what's to come. But I think these are the big things that I'm excited about. Absolutely. I'm very excited about your guys' roadmap. It's um, very cool what you guys are doing. And I, I love DEXs in particular. I love getting away from uh, decentralized and um, points of failure, I guess I call them, as exchanges because of, you know, you've seen everything that's happened in the past year yeah. um, from Celsius to Voyager to FTX. There's Terra Luna, like so many different incidents and a lot of it caused by uh, centralized authorities. So, um, you know, very happy to see what you guys are doing and you know more from DEXs in the future. I, I, I do want to add something there, though. Generally, I don't yeah. think centralization is a bad thing, right? So, so I, I think, in fact, uh, I would say centralization is a feature if it's by choice and it's a bug if it's forced on you, right? So, so one of the reasons why decentralized money makes sense is because for the longest time, money was a monopoly, you know, centralized money was a monopoly and, and you had no choice but to comply. Right, or otherwise you're a criminal. Right, so, so I think, uh, and that narrative is like slowly shifting now. Right, so, so where you're basically having money that can't be manipulated by any governments around the world for political gains. Right, so, so which is where decentralization there is paramount for for you to have that kind of a free society. Now, uh, in terms of using, like for example, do I need to have a decentralized Uber? Uh, probably not, because because like if I don't like Uber, I can switch to another service. Right, so so. And on the other hand, uh, running a centralized service with the, with the right stakeholders, having the right incentives to make the service really, really good for the end user is probably a good thing. Like you don't want like every decision being made by like, 10,000 people, right? So, so that's, that, that's how I would see it. So that's a trade-off. Now, in terms of centralized exchange versus decentralized exchange, again, it's the same thing, right? It's not about one ring to rule them all kind of situation. It comes down to what aspects of the system must be centralized and what must be decentralized to deliver the best user experience, right? So in that sense, like, for example, Binance is like one of the best user experiences out there. And they also have the largest market share despite everything, right? It's like they've got nearly 80% of the market share. And that's because it's easy to use and, 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 and they have liquidity. And also, I think people can easily get on board and use them. And the current crypto infrastructure doesn't support that just yet. So hopefully we'll get there. So the idea is how do you build that Binance-like experience and what trade-offs do you need to make to decentralize perhaps custody or, or, or the user funds so that, you know, what you don't want to have is the counterparty risk of the exchange going down and therefore the users losing funds. I think, I think that's a bad scenario, right? So if you can fix that, but you can have like a more centralized price discovery, but the user has a choice not to trade if they don't like the price. And I think uh, it's, 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 it's a good design because you have the choice, but you're also not risking user funds. Right? So I think, I think that's where, I think there's a room for both, but really it's a sweet spot where, you know, where it makes sense for things to work. Yeah, there, there's trade-offs and there's positives to having a centralized exchange. Absolutely. And I still use them. I just think there hasn't been a whole lot of, good options until you know the last maybe year or so with dexes where people 
have an option if they want you to take more control and kind of get outside of that system if they want to. And it scares people too when you see so many go down, especially one of the biggest in the world with FTX. Um, you know, that's that's a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. So I think at least having a bit of a balance and some optionality is, I think, what's a key here for people and being able to choose what they want to do with their money. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, anyways, where can people go to learn more about Hashflow if they want to use it, they want to connect a wallet, they want to get some more info? Um, do they just go to the website or where would you direct them? Uh, I would say hashflow.com. This is the best place to discover more information and then to get up-to-date news about everything we do at Hashflow, the Twitter handle is really good. And if you want to engage, talk to more people, just, you know, be part of the community, uh, come to our Discord. I think it's quite active there. So I think, I think, I think these are the different venues where I would direct people to go to. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, where can people find you as well online if they want to maybe chit chat with you or have a conversation? My Twitter handle is Gandalf the Brown, uh, <laughs> but, but, but I use a zero instead of an O, so so, so that's that's my Twitter handle. Uh, uh, if you don't spam my DMs, I'll likely respond. If you're just sending me something weird, then I'd likely what not respond. So so, so. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, I'm you know usually uh, active on Twitter. I don't post much, but but I obviously uh, look at things. So so I definitely am there. Uh, you should change your handle to Varun5. I thought that was a good one at the beginning. <laughs> I should do that. Maybe for a change. New year, new me. So, so. <laughs> awesome. Guys, make sure to go check out Hashflow. Check out uh, Varun here. And make sure to like and subscribe if you haven't already. Go down, like the video, uh, subscribe to the channel. And uh, Varun, thank you for taking the time to come on. Really do appreciate it. Been a good talk. Learned a lot about what you guys are doing as well as DEXs in general. And um, it'd be fun to have another conversation in the future. I think there's a lot of things, you know, that we could potentially dive into on this topic. So thank you for sharing today. Of course. Thank you, Zach. So, so Brandon, sorry. Brandon. Uh, Zach, uh, Brandon. Oh, no, Zemp. No, I saw your last name. <laughs> I, I saw Zemp. I said Zemp. Wait, wait a minute. Zemp. I don't have two first names. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Sorry. Uh, okay, cool. Take care, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Cheers.